Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Simplify. Our big idea today is let's move from wounded to whole by making room for forgiveness. We're spending time in scripture investigating what it has to say about finding resolution in our lives. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, good morning. My name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here at Valley Point, and I'm glad that you chose to join us this morning, and I'm also glad that I'm here to be with all of you. We've been in a series called Simplify. Over the summer months, we are talking about 10 different ways for us to simplify our lives, and do you know what today is? Today's the halfway point of this series, so give yourselves a hand. You've made it through. You're halfway through, let's finish strong. The next coming weeks, make sure you're here as we walk through these 10 things that can, if we apply them, simplify our lives. And today we get to go further into this series with this big idea. Let's move from wounded to whole by making room for forgiveness. Let's move from wounded to whole by making room for forgiveness. We're going to cover a lot of information today. We're going to fly through some of it, and then we're going to take some time to stop and unpack some of it. But I believe there's something for everyone here today. I think that if you're here, then God has something for you today. So be looking forward to that. Because this topic of forgiveness really affects each and every one of us, doesn't it? The sad reality is that we do not get that much time here on earth before we are wounded for the first time. If you have older brothers and sisters, you get no time on earth before you get wounded. But then even for you firstborns, you might make it a little bit further, but at some point, you're going to be wounded. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be offended. Someone's going to do something to you that's unfair, and it's going to hurt you. That's the reality. And then shortly after that happens, somebody in our life, usually a parent or who's ever raising us at the time, will say, look, I need to introduce to you this new concept of forgiveness. And to you, this is foreign. It's like, what is that? And they begin to explain, well, they asked for your forgiveness. So now you need to extend it. You need to forgive what they did. It just doesn't seem right, does it? It goes against everything you're feeling at the time. And you're like, really? All they have to do is say, I'm sorry, and they've totally redeemed themselves. That can't be how it works. But this is what we teach our kids. You should forgive. And we teach our grandkids. And this is what we tell other people that they should do, right? And it comes easier for some of us. It's just, for some reason, easy for us to forgive. It just is. It's in our DNA. It's how we're wired. We're ready and willing to extend forgiveness. Maybe you've been the beneficiary of somebody's great forgiveness, and now you realize the benefit of that, and you're ready to give that away. But the reality is that most of us, or a lot of us, really struggle with this, to release people, to let things go. It's, it's hard. It's simple enough as we're kids, but let's be honest, we're adults, and things get a little more complicated, don't they? Actually, a lot more complicated. Now there are lifelong relationships to worry about. There's reputations, there's livelihoods at stake. And they're all at risk by the actions of other people. A lot of times these things can blindside us. They can leave us feeling hurt and sad or angry. 
depressed, our feelings are hurt, things get messy, and we're left holding someone else's mess that they caused because they decided to do the wrong thing. So how do we respond? What are we supposed to do, after all, as adults? How do we respond to the offenses that come into our lives? I think a great way to start a good launching point for us is to sort of define the different offenses that come into our lives. Let's categorize them because not everything's the same. Not everything affects us the same way. It doesn't have the impact all of the same. So we can respond differently to different kinds of offenses. So we're going to talk about three categories. We'll kind of start entry level and work our way up. And then at the end of the the category, we'll talk about, okay, how do we respond to these types of offenses in our lives? So let's jump in. Category one, we're going to define as minor offenses, right? These are the minor irritations in life, the normal little frictions that happen with family members and friends and coworkers and people you serve alongside with even here. These things just happen. People are people. They're going to do things in a different way than you would have done them. They're going to say things in a different way than you would have said them. These are the minor things that at the end of the day, they really don't affect your life. You're able to lay down, you're able to sleep at night, your self-esteem is still intact. At the end of the day, you look at these things and you're like, man, am I really going to get upset over this? These are the minor offenses in our lives. They might need to be addressed. If it's a reoccurring issue or if something happens, it's enough to warrant a response. You should do that. You should go and talk to that person. But most of the time, these are things that we can just let go. We can just let them happen let them be what they are and move on. The Apostle Paul gives us some practical uh, information, especially about these types of offenses in our lives. In Colossians chapter 3, he was writing to the local church at that time, and they had found themselves in a lot of disagreement, a lot of petty arguments over things that really didn't matter. And Paul's getting really frustrated with them, and he says, look, this is what you need to do in verse 12. Clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and what's the word? Patience. Patience. Yuck. Nobody likes patience. This word also gets translated into the word tender-hearted or long-suffering. Long-suffering, that's not a word we usually use. I don't use it. Maybe you do. But this word means to be the opposite of being quick to anger, the opposite of resentment, the opposite of revenge. Then he goes on and makes it even more difficult. Verse number 13, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Especially with these category one offenses. Because the idea here is that as Christ followers, that is, if you've put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, you've asked for his forgiveness, you've received that forgiveness, and Now that you've been the beneficiary of that sort of generous forgiveness in your life, then you should now be ready and willing to extend that same generous kind of forgiveness to others. We should be ready and eager, and we should be able to maintain that state of mind because of what Jesus did for us. That's the idea behind this that Paul's trying to get across to the people. Freely give it out. Make allowances for other people's mistakes because they're going to happen. People are going to be people. They're going to do things that frustrate you and irritate you. And if you spend your time 
in every single little thing that somebody does to irritate you, you are going to live a long and miserable life. You're going to drive yourself crazy trying to deal with all of this that comes into your life. Maybe you find yourself disproportionately aggravated at people. Maybe this is a real struggle for you. You're just like, man, I just can't seem to let anything go. I just, I have to let them know that they're wrong. I have to let them know that they did something the wrong way because it's not the way I would have done it or said it. If you find yourself oftentimes being overly sensitive, or you have people say to you, man, you're just really sensitive. what's, What's going on? Or, wow, you're really getting that upset over that? I think it's time to move on. If you're getting that from people, or maybe you're on the other side of the fence and you say, man, I just always seem to offend people. I don't know what it is. I just say things and do things and everybody else is so sensitive and too sensitive and it's their problem. They could come and talk to me if they have an issue with me. Let me offer a suggestion to just think about if you find yourself in one of those categories. First of all, try to talk to a trusted friend, someone who you respect that knows you that you can lay out a situation to. And this isn't to get them on your side against somebody else. You can even leave the situation anonymous and just begin to explain, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. Am I missing something here? Should I be spending this much time thinking about this? And what will happen is a lot of the times, just saying it out loud will help us to realize the insignificance of what's going on. You're all of a sudden like, wow, I'm really that tipped over because of that. I think I can move on. Or hopefully the other person has the freedom to be able to say, yeah, I think you're missing it here. I don't think you should spend so much time and energy on this situation. They can speak some truth and to just tell you to move on. That can be very helpful just to hear from somebody else. Another thing that you can consider doing is to kind of do some self-reflection. Maybe there's something going on inside of you, a sin that's in your life that's unconfessed, or just something that's in your life that you need to deal with. You just find yourself just unhappy dealing with these minor offenses because life is way too short. There's way more offenses to be concerned about in the next two categories. So just hold on. But Bill Hybels has a quote in his book, Simplify. This is the book that this series is based on. He says this, In moments when things don't go your way, or something isn't said just the way you wish it would have been said, the condition of your heart is revealed for all to see. Have you ever revealed the condition of your heart unexpectedly? Yeah, we all have. We've been there. We say things. We do things in the moment. Because a lot of the times when we begin to overreact or disproportionately get aggravated with people, it's because we're emotionally drained at the time. Or we're spiritually empty. And so what we need to do is begin to refill spiritually. Spend some time in prayer. Ask God to help you in these circumstances. Say, I can't live like this. I have to begin to let some of this go and ask Him. And He can help you with that. So refill spiritually if necessary. And do you want to immediately simplify your life? Like today, walking out of the room. Take all of these Category 1 offenses and and just get rid of them. Don't worry about them unless it's absolutely necessary. If it's beginning to affect you in your everyday life and your quality of life, yeah, deal with it. But as much as you can, just don't worry about it. Let people be people. Make room. Make allowance for them to mess up because at some point, you're going to need it. 
you're going to need some change in your pocket the next time you say something dumb. It happens to all of us. All right, so that's category one. Category two, offenses. These get a little more complex. These are the legitimate offenses that come into our lives. These are things that are going to require some time, some attention, some intentional resolution, and even some healing. This could be the betrayal of a friend. You sat down and you shared something and you asked, please don't share this. I'm telling you this in confidence. And the next thing you know, it's out and you're embarrassed and your reputation has been hurt. It's going to require some time. That's going to require some attention in your life. Maybe it's a deep cutting criticism or a hurtful comment that somebody sent your way. Sometimes even on purpose. They just want to hurt you and it does. And now it's keeping you up at night. It's affecting your self-esteem and your self-worth. These are things worth your time and attention. Maybe you got undermined at work. You made a decision. It was the right decision. And somebody else came in behind you and underneath you and began to tell people, oh, I would have done it like this. Or they should have done it like this. And all of a sudden, your work life is affected. And your reputation gets tarnished all because of somebody else running their mouth at work. These can be things that require our time and attention. These are things that affect our everyday living and our quality of life. There's really three different ways that we can respond when it comes to these types of offenses in our lives. And this, this will happen to you at some point in your life. There's three ways that we can respond. We can ignore it. We could say, it's really not that big a deal. I do not have the time to deal with this. It's going to have to resolve itself, and you can try and move on. You can say, I'm strong enough to take the hit. It's not going to affect me. I'll just keep moving forward, and I'll be able to deal with the fallout on my own. The thing about ignoring issues is that they never actually go away, do they? And we grossly underestimate the emotional toll that relational rifts have in our lives. We just don't even realize what it's doing to us, and they're unresolved, and they begin to resurface in anger and irritation and pride, and we don't know where all this is coming from. It's just sort of there, and we begin to try to deal with that on our own, and we mask that, and we suppress that, and we eat too much, and we drink too much, and we use substances to suppress what's going on in our lives. And it eventually sends us into a spiral, and there's this dark gray cloud over our heads, and we have no idea why. Because here's the thing. When it comes to relationships and when it comes to emotions, it never works to ignore 100% of the time. It's a bad idea. Things do not resolve themselves. So don't hang out there. So we can't ignore. That doesn't work. What else can we do? We can get even right? That works really well, doesn't it? No, it doesn't because getting revenge, revenge never brings the level of satisfaction that we think or we hope it will. Revenge never brings the amount of satisfaction in our lives that we think that it will. It just never does. And so we can ignore it. We can do that, but that doesn't work. We can get revenge. That doesn't simplify our lives. Then all we're worried about is plotting and getting that person back and making them feel the same way that they made me feel. And now we're going to bring other people into the mess. We're going to use them as our pawns to try to get back at that person. It's not God-honoring, and it's not simple. 
We overcomplicate situations that way. So what can we do? We can do something that's much, sounds much simpler than it actually is, and we can make it right. But we need to make it right in a God-honoring way, in a way that the Bible actually teaches us to handle conflict. Maybe you didn't even know that this verse or verses existed. But when Jesus was on earth, he gave very clear direction, action steps for us, how to deal with conflict in our lives. It's not encrypted. It really doesn't need anybody to translate it or unpack it. It's just a step-by-step action plan for how we should deal with conflict. So let's read the words of Jesus. But before we jump into that, I just want to make a special note that before we ever confront somebody else, it's a good idea to spend some time looking inside of ourselves. Let's make sure there's nothing between us and God that we need to deal with before we head into a circumstance to point out something someone else has done. So self-evaluate first. And when you've done that, let's look at our instructions. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. The first step is simple. It's just to go. And the idea here is to go right away, immediately, Let as little time pass as possible because things only get worse. Don't delay and go now. Don't sit by the phone and hope the other person calls because Jesus always puts the responsibility on us. If you've offended somebody, you go. If someone's offended you, you go. It's always on us. So go. Go right away. And then look at the next word. And a lot of you were hoping I would skip past that one. What's the next word after the word go? privately. How often do we mess this up? Like every time, all the time, because we want to get our friends on the phone and we want to make them feel really sorry for us, right? I feel so good when other people feel sorry for me, so please feel sorry for me. This other person did this to me. Help me feel bad for myself. Or we like to get on the phone and call our family members and start talking about, here's what happened. Instead of just going and dealing with the person privately. That's our first two steps that Jesus gives to us. But before we get too far into the process, Jesus goes on with his next phrase. And he says, if the other person listens and confesses, you've won that person back. What happens then when we do this in the proper way? We've won that person over. Step number three that we cannot overlook is to go to reconcile the relationship. If you're not ready to reconcile the relationship, then you shouldn't go yet. You need to spend more time in prayer. You need to spend more time, maybe speak to someone uh, even anonymously about the situation just to get another perspective of how to handle this. But until you're ready to go and reconcile the relationship, you should not go yet. This is always the goal. Jesus always values the relationship over being right. It's not about the right, not about being right, but doing the right thing in the right way. Go to reconcile the relationship. Have you ever had somebody who you've offended and they come at you and you know that they have no desire of reconciliation? All they want to do is tell you what you did, how bad it was, and how bad you should feel about yourself. I don't know about you, but when people approach me that way, I have not a single sympathetic bone in my body. All I want to say is, oh yeah, I did that? Well, here's what you did. You did these three things, and you're way worse than me. And we immediately get defensive, 
And we enter into a, a, a despiteful conversation that never gets resolved and relationships get severed. That's what conflict can do when we don't resolve it in the proper way. So go and go privately and go to reconcile the relationships. And most of the time, things work out well. Forgiveness is extended because the person feels respected, not ganged up on, and things can go smoothly. But we all know that that's not going to happen every single time, right? And Jesus wasn't under any sort of illusion that everyone was going to respond in the proper way in the first three steps and there's nothing else needed. He realized that a fourth step is sometimes necessary. Step number four is to keep trying. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Hold on before you get too excited. This isn't Jesus giving you the go-ahead to become Wyatt Earp to assemble your gunslingers and to go in and smoke somebody. It's not that. Remember step number three? Reconciliation is always the motive when we're dealing with conflict. It needs to be, it has to be in order to resolve it in the correct way, in a God-honoring way. Then he goes even further. If that doesn't work, maybe you need to bring in another outside party, a trusted friend or or perhaps a, a church leader, a pastor, an elder, a life group leader, someone who can speak into this situation in a non-biased way. But always try to look for a trusted friend to go with you in a confrontation, someone who's not a hothead, someone who doesn't uh, gossip a lot, someone who doesn't just love these kinds of situations. I love to get in to people's business. Those people are not helpful in these situations. And hopefully you can find someone that is mutually respected or a mutual friend that they're going to respond well to because nobody wants to get ganged up on. And if that's what they feel like, it's just not going to go well. So reconciliation, humility should underline your conversation. So what if you've tried and you've tried again and it still doesn't work? Well, then Paul again gives us a very practical piece of scripture. Here's what you can do. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Do everything that you can possibly do. But ultimately, you cannot make the other person do anything that they don't want to do. It doesn't work. We've all tried it, and it never works. So there's only one step left for us to take at this point, and it's the last step is to let it go. Let it go. That'd make a great song. (laughs) Because at some point, you may never get the apology that you deserve. may never happen. you got to figure out a way to deal with that and let it go and move forward in life. At some point, they may never offer you the forgiveness that you deserve. It It may never happen. And you're going to have to deal with the reality and to move on and to let it go. At some point, you're going to have to release the other person. You have to. You've got to let them off the hook. Or you're going to live a miserable life. It's going to drive you crazy. Because you cannot get somebody to do something that they don't want to do. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't hurt the other person to hold on to grudges. It hurts you way more than it hurts them. Life's too short to hang out here. Trust me, there's plenty of other offenses that we're going to get to, yet still, to live too long 
holding grudges in your life. It's not good. It's not good for your soul. It's not good for your emotions. So let's move on. Let's deal with these things in a God-honoring way, these Category 2 offenses. So Category 1 offenses. Let's try to get those out of our lives as much as possible unless we absolutely have to deal with them. Category 2 offenses. Let's deal with them in a God-honoring way. And maybe you feel like, maybe I didn't do all the steps right. Maybe there's still a chance of reconciliation. If you're just not sure, you don't feel good about moving on, well, then circle back around and try again. I mean, what's it going to hurt, really? But at some point, be ready to move on if you need to. So let's talk about the third category of offenses. And this really is where it gets heavy today. We're going to call these life-shattering offenses. These are the most complex. They have the ability to change our lives forever. Hopefully, you will not have to deal with one of these types of offenses in your life. But the reality is, a lot of us either have or will deal with something like this. This could be the loss of a child or a loved one due to the irresponsibility and selfishness of someone else who chose to drive under the influence of a substance. It could be the loss of a family member or loved one who died in a war fighting against injustice. Right? It's not supposed to go that way. This could be the infidelity of a spouse that ultimately leads to a broken home. This could be a dark addiction that reveals itself and begins to tear a family apart. Maybe this was abuse in your life. You were sexually abused or verbally, physically, emotionally abused. These are the things that can scar us deeply for the rest of our lives. And all we can do is try to figure out how to deal with the fallout of the consequences and the emotional fallout. A good idea in these situations is to seek out some professional help. That can really help in these types of situations to help you deal with and process the emotions that you're you're dealing with and to give you some next step action plans as to how to walk through certain situations. But I believe there is a piece of scripture that can help us hopefully understand a little bit of what's going on around us in the world. We're going to read some verses out of the book of Luke. And these are verses that we usually don't read unless it's around the Easter season. It's the story of Jesus' crucifixion. And where we pick up, he's already been betrayed. He's already been arrested. He's been beaten. He's been humiliated. And he's been placed on the cross. And he's dying. And this is what we read, Jesus says. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I don't know about that. They didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. These were trained Roman soldiers. They knew exactly how much pain they were putting Jesus through. They knew exactly how much humiliation they were putting him through. That's why they were killing him this way. They didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. Didn't they? I think Jesus understood something that goes well beyond and deeper than what we can fully ever understand. Is that they really didn't know what they were doing. 
They really didn't fully understand the impact of the decisions that they were making in that moment. They couldn't have, or there's no way they would have done it. They were so far away from where God needed them to be. They were so lost in their sin that they lost sight of even being able to recognize the impact of their sin in someone else's life. And I do the same thing. And you do the same thing. We grossly underestimate the severity of the hurt that we can cause in other people's lives. We don't fully understand the deep impact of the sin that we have in our lives. We can't, if we did, we wouldn't do the things that we do. And the reality is that we can do things to other people and other people can do things to us that can scar us so deeply that we cannot fully heal from here on earth. We have that ability to do that to other people. So what do we do? What if you've been affected by one of these types of offenses? What if you've caused this type of offense in somebody else's life? Is all hope lost? No. Hope is not lost. In fact, there is a great hope for you today because if you've put your faith in Jesus alone to save you and you've asked him for his forgiveness and he's offered that to you, you have a hope now on earth that his heavenly father can now through his Holy Spirit do things inside of you that you could never do on your own. You can find forgiveness in ways that you never thought that you could. You can find reconciliation in situations that you thought were completely lost. That hope is available for us. The Holy Spirit in time can help us to forgive if we desire it. And while that may never fully dissolve from our lives, because we know how memories work, we know how emotions work, we can't forget things completely They come back. But he can offer you a hope that's even greater than what we can find here on earth. There is a hope for it forever eternity with him where that pain, where that anger, where that hurt will be 100% erased forever. So there's a hope for you on this earth that there can be healing inside of you through God's Holy Spirit. And there's an even greater hope for you of eternity without any pain, with the one who created you and loves you. There is great hope. All is not ever lost. So what are some takeaways for us today? Let's walk through a few of these together. If you're struggling with a Category 1 offense, well, simplify your life by embracing Colossians chapter 3 and follow Paul's advice. Make allowance for each other's faults. Give people a break for crying out loud. They're going to mess up, and you're going to mess up, and you're going to need some grace and forgiveness at some point. So be ready and willing to extend that. And don't spend too much of your time on things that don't matter in life. Life's too short. It's too short. Let's get simplified. If you're struggling with a type 2 category offense, Simplify your life by embracing Matthew chapter 18. Follow Jesus' instructions on handling conflict. Go, go now, go in private, and go to reconcile the issue. And most of the time that works. 
If not, continue to follow his plans. Read Matthew chapter 18. Figure this out. Let's begin to lead the way as Christ followers in handling conflict because this works. And then lastly, if you're dealing with a Category 3 offense, first of all, let me just say I'm sorry because you should not have had to walk through that in life. You shouldn't have. But perhaps you have or will. Let's try to simplify our lives by embracing Luke chapter 23 and model Jesus' radical forgiveness because through God's Holy Spirit, you can find forgiveness if you desire it in time. And while it may never be dissolved, you have a greater hope that you can hold on to. You can anchor yourself through, and it can take us through any situation in life that we have a hope in eternity with a forever relationship with our Creator who loves us that is free from the pain that we experience here on earth. If you haven't done that, if you've never cried out to Jesus and asked for His forgiveness and embraced Him as your Savior and leader of your life, you can do that today. Just cry out to Him and ask for that. And He can give you that hope today, right here in this room. It can begin. So no matter where you sit today, no matter where we are in our circumstances, we can move from wounded to whole. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for our time together here. Thank you for your words that we can use to anchor our souls. Thank you for your instructions and practical insights that you've offered for us. Help us to deal with these Category 1 offenses. They just happen. They happen all of the time, and we can't live there. Help us to simplify our lives and move on. Help us to begin to deal with our offenses and conflicts in our lives in a God-honoring way. That we do things in the way that you've asked us to, to reconcile relationships. Let's do everything that we possibly can to live at peace with one another. And let it start in this room, in the church. Let us lead the way in dealing with conflict in a healthy and God-honoring way with those around us. And then God, for those who are struggling with these life-shattering offenses, it's unfortunate, and you hurt with them, and you hurt with me. You feel our pain, and you're not distant. You can offer a hope inside of us that is greater than anything else we can find on earth because we've tried, we've looked, and it doesn't work. Help us to cry out to you. For those who have never done that, I pray that you would call them to you now, that you would whisper into their hearts that you would offer your forgiveness and that they could hold on to that and the greatest hope of all in eternity with you free from pain. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.